love Hebrews. Um, Hebrews has always been, um, yeah, it's, it's always, yeah. Hebrews is my, my, in my top, probably my favorite New Testament um, book of the Bible because of the way um, the author talks about Hebrews. Um, and you'll often hear me today say the author of Hebrews. We don't know who the author is. We're just looking at two verses in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are the cloud of witnesses? Really quickly, the cloud of witnesses are the people that he talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. And he says, these are the heroes of the faith. Moses, Rahab, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, I think is in there. A couple of other people. A great cloud of witnesses led us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run, if you like to underline, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When I was a kid, I, I don't know about you, um, I'm a 90s kid, so don't guess how old I am, it doesn't matter, but I'm a 90s kid. Um, That was the cool generation, the millennials. Yeah, shout out to the millennials. You're welcome. Back when I was a kid, sorry, I'm going to go on tangents today because I did it in the nine o'clock and now that I'm loose, um, I'm going to go off. Um, during the 90s, uh, particularly in the 90s, early 2000s, I loved watching the Summer Olympics. Don't judge me. I, for some I love the Summer Olympics. Kind of like the um, Winter Olympics. Um, I, full confession, I, I do like the Winter Olympics. I like a couple of sports um, in the Winter Olympics, but my favorite sport in the Winter Olympics, don't judge me, is figure skating. Um, <laughs> I love figure skating. I love, I like, I like, I love particularly um, when it's, I don't know what they call them, the, the pairs, the couples, whatever. I love when the guy throws the girl in the air and she's twirling up there. I'm like, she has to land really well. If not, it's done. Um, but I just love that. I love it. Summer Olympics are my favorite, um, you know, 90s kid. Um, watched a lot of basketball. The, probably the greatest team ever during the 1990s um, won the gold medal. Um, but I also love watching um, swimming and uh, track and field, right? Um, swimming in particular because I grew up during that generation with Michael Phelps, right? Um, Michael Phelps actually holds the, the record with the most medals won at the Summer Olympics, believe it or not. He's won 28 medals. 23 uh, of those medals have been gold, um, two silver, two bronze. Um, he has 39 world records, right? When you think of swimming, you think of Michael Phelps as being the greatest, greatest swimmer, if not one of the greatest athletes, if you're looking at like all the sports, right? He's up there with, with MJ, he's up there with Tom Brady, he's up there with some of the greatest athletes of all time, right? And in a couple of interviews, um, Michael Phelps um, said, I hated losing more than I loved winning. I hated losing more than I loved winning. 
He was described by many people as a solitary man focused. Um, he had a, what this person said was a rigid focus. Um, Michael Phelps is known to have practiced and disciplined and trained every single day for 365 days a year for five years straight. He practiced and was in the pool training every single day because he said, you miss a day um, training, you were two days behind. So he trained every day for five years, five years straight, 365 days a year. This is a man that would be categorized, right, as, as a laser-focused, winning competitor. He wanted to win. He said during his high school years and even in, I think into his college, he would eat eight to 10,000 calories a day because he, he just, and he said he just had to eat even when he didn't want to because he knew he had to win. Practice day in and day out in the pool. He slept. He had a rigid schedule of his sleeping habits. He slept and he had this little pod thing that he was in where he slept to, to to help his body rest and recover. We all would categorize Michael Phelps as someone, not only one of the greatest athletes that we've seen in the, in the Olympics, but a disciplined person, because he wanted to win. He had a drive that he hated losing more than he loved winning. My question for you this morning, what's your motivation What's your drive in your Christian walk? Because the author of Hebrews says we're all in a race. We're all competing and we're not competing with each other, right? This is not a Christian race in which we're competing. Who's the best Christian in the room? And it's like, it ain't me, I'll tell you that, right? It's not, it's not that, but, but the author is saying that you and I are in a race. You and I are running, swimming, Whatever it is. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we have a goal, we have a finish line. What's your motivation in your Christian walk? What, what's in your heart and your mind that's telling you, you gotta keep going. You're almost there, keep fighting. And this message isn't for the 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who are young and strong. This is a message for every single one of you, whether you're 10 years old or if you're 90 years old. What, what's your motivation to keep going, to keep fighting? What's your drive? What's your focus? What's the thing that you're trying to obtain The, the race that you and I are in is the race of life, the race of our Christian walk in this world. So what's your motivation? The author of Hebrews is going to encourage you this morning, encourage me as well, to endure. Meaning, keep steady, keep going, don't give up, Right? Be faithful. Stay focused. 
It's hard. It's not easy. Life is difficult. Being a Christian is difficult. How many of you in this room would say being a Christian is difficult? Amen? It is a lot easier to be a non-believer. I'll tell you that. It's so easy. You do whatever you want. You say whatever you want. Your life, dreams, and goals, and motivation is driven by your self-ego. Right? Like, you do things to win for yourself. Being a Christian is the complete opposite. You can't do what you want, right? And the thing that you want to do is hard to do. If you're ornery like me, you don't like rules, you, wanna, you don't want people to tell you what to do. Don't tell me what to do. And the Christian life is all about dying to yourself, dying to your agenda, giving up yourself, giving up of your life for your loved ones, for your family, for your church, for your community, to love your enemy, right? To, 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 to try to care for people who don't care for you, who, who don't believe what you believe, who have a different political agenda, right? Like, that's the Christian walk. How do I serve God? How do I love God really well? How do I honor him at the same time? How do I deal with my own struggles, with my own pain, with my own sin issues? And then at the same time, thinking about other people. How to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, a good mother, a good father, a good sibling, a good child. Like All these things we have to deal with. Being a Christian is really hard. And you're an unbeliever in this room. You have it easy for now. So the author of Hebrews, knowing that life is difficult, Knowing that the Christian walk is hard, knowing that we're not going to coast, outlines in Hebrews chapter 11 a long list of believers, people that we can look to who ran their race really well. And, and if you read Hebrews 11, you, you might think, you might, you might think, oh, these are the greatest believers of the Old Testament, or you might think and look at the authors and characters of the New Testament, these are the greatest Christians that ever lived, but no, in fact, this group of people in Hebrews 11, the cloud of witnesses, the people that are in the stands, the people who have gone before us, are the march of the unqualified, the individuals who struggled just as much as you and I did the individuals who when you read their names you know their sin and the author says look at them look how they endured and if they can endure you can endure too so he says don't give up if you walk away with anything this morning hear me tell you don't give up Keep on going. You can do this. God has placed you in this race. You didn't choose it for yourself. If you look at it, he's placed you in the race, this Christian walk, this Christian life, and you can do it. You can endure. You can be steady, consistent, determined to win the race. And the way that you do that the way you and I, one of the ways, multiple ways, but one of the ways that you and I are going to endure the Christian walk, one of the ways that you and I are gonna finish well is if you and I choose to find joy. 
You want to endure God's race. You want to endure the race of life. You want to endure trials, difficulties, problems. You want to make it to the end. You will make it to the end if you're a believer. If you're a Christian, there's no, no one fails the course. <laughs> we all make it, but you want, to, you want to end well. You have to pursue joy. So I'm going to give you a couple of reasons that we see in this passage. In ways that you and I can pursue joy as you think about what is your motivation, right? What motivates you that will bring you joy? Because here's, here's, here's our dilemma. What we think joy is, is not true joy. We tend to think that joy is happiness. We tend to think that when we feel happy, that is joy. That's not joy, that's just happiness. What is happiness? Happiness is the feeling of happiness based on our current circumstances. If the wife and the kids are good, I'm happy. That's not joy. The finances are good. The church is good. The group is good. My boss is not stressing me out. I'm happy. That's not joy. Happiness comes from our current circumstances. True joy, true joy is our response to faith. That's joy. Joy says, right, I can endure life's problems The kids are off the rails. The relationship is fractured. I'm confused. I'm anxious. I don't know where I'm going in life. I'm going to choose the right emotional response to my faith, and that is joy. Why? Because joy says, I'm not going to allow my circumstances to dictate my feelings because I have faith. Faith, right, is what does Hebrews say faith is? The assurance of things hoped for. So I'm going to place my faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work, his sanctification process in my life. I'm going to believe him, put my trust in him, and because he is faithful and I am not, I can have joy. You can't find joy in your current circumstances. You're not going to find joy in your relationship. You're not going to find joy in your marriage. You're not going to find joy in your job and your wealth. You're not going to find joy in your current circumstance. You can find joy in your faith, in your trust, in your dedication, in your pursuit, in your confidence, in knowing who Christ is what he has done, and what he's going to accomplish. Happiness is temporary. I'm happy every time I have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. (laughs) Guess when I'm not happy? When I'm not eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. (laughs) But joy? Joy is when I don't have the Chick-fil-A sandwich. I choose it. Why? Because my faith, my hope is in Jesus. What's your motivation in this Christian walk as you pursue joy? What is your response to faith? Just to give you an example of this, right? If you read Psalms 105, it is a praise psalm to God for what God has done in Egypt. And you notice, you'll notice in the psalm that the people of God shout praises of joy, they were joyful and sang songs of joy, not when they were in the promised land, but when they were in the desert. 
That's when they shouted praises of joy. So you can have joy in the desert, meaning you can have joy when life around you isn't going well. That's an example of joy. And Hebrews goes on to say that as we endure, what allows us to endure is the joy. And Jesus had a joy, and we'll talk about that in a minute. What was Jesus' joy that was set before him? But a couple of things that I want you to notice. The way you and I are going to endure the Christian walk by pursuing joy is if, one, we let go of our past and our sin. Verse 1 says, right? So let us lay aside every weight. Every weight could be anything that's not a sin, but that's holding you back. And sin, which clings so closely. The way you're going to endure the Christian walk and the Christian life as you're pursuing joy is if you let it go. Let go what? You have to let go of the distractions. When you think of a runner, when you think of a swimmer or a competitor, every time they zoom into the person, you know what you notice that they're not doing? They're not looking around. They're not distracted by what's happening around them. They're not distracted by the camera. They're not distracted by the crowd, the audience. They're not distracted by the commentators and the judges and the referees. They have a laser focus. They're looking forward. And you know what you notice too when they're running or they're swimming? They don't carry baggages. They don't have their coat on. They don't have their luggages. They don't have their house, their car, their money, their wealth. I've never seen Michael Phelps swimming in the pool with a full suit or with a bag. This reminds me, um, tangent, um, I often travel and in the airport, you've seen this, this was me, this is you too. You know, there's always somebody late to the gate, right? And you always see them, you're sitting down, you're on your iPad, you're drinking your coffee, and then the, you see from the corner of your eye, they're just zipping through. And you know how you usually see them? Disheveled and a mess. They have like two bags, a coat, the kid is screaming bloody murder, the husband is upset and annoyed that the wife is not running fast enough, right? And they're trying to like run, they're trying to run to the gate with their luggages, with their carry-ons. That's not a good way to run. You can't live this Christian life. You can't run your race if you have too many things on you. And for some of us, those are the distractions of the world, our past, our past sins, the person we used to be, the thing that we did before. You can't run a race if you're looking back. You can't endure. You can't find joy if you're looking back. And you can't run well if you're holding on to the sin that entangles you. Some of you in this room need to let go of the sin. I need to let go of my sin. You want to run well, you got to give that up. You want to find joy, you got to give that up. The way you're going to endure is if you let go of the past and you let go of your sin. Second thing, the second way you and I are going to endure is if you and I are training with other people. 
Here's what I want you to notice in this passage. I read this passage and I'm a visual thinker. How many of you in this room are visual thinkers? Raise your hand. Okay, so uh, if you're a visual thinker, you were reading this passage, you were imagining yourself on the track. I was imagining myself right next to Michael Phelps and I'm in the Speedo thing and I'm just lean and ripped and I'm six foot five and I'm gonna beat him, right? When I was reading this. Right, you, you imagine yourself, or like I did, like by yourself. Here's one I want you to notice in this passage. The Christian life was never meant for you and I to be done by ourselves. The Christian walk, the Christian life was meant for you and me to live out with other people. How do I know this? Let's look back at the passage. Therefore, since we, plural, are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us, plural, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian walk, the Christian life, enduring life's problems and difficulties, dealing with the stresses of this world, was meant to be done collectively together. This is why I vehemently and despise the COVID year. You know why? Because it trained us and taught us that we can live in isolation, that we were designed to live by ourselves. And that is a great lie. The Christian story from Genesis to Revelation is the people of God lived with the people of God. Be with the people of God. The Trinity is in communion and community with each other. God with us in community with us. We were not meant to live the Christian walk in isolation. We were not meant to come to church, pump gas, and walk out and do this on our own. We were not meant to think that Christianity is about the individual. No. We were meant to do life together. We were meant to run together. You need me and I need you. The person on your left and the person on the right, the person in front of you, the person in the balcony and the person below. We need each other to do this together. And if you think that you're meant to live life in isolation, you are completely wrong. And if you are living life in isolation, I'm here to encourage you, that's not the way God designed it to be. True Christians, real Christians, Run this race, train together. Every team trains together. Every athlete trains with other athletes. The quarterback of the New York Giants (laughs) trains with his team. Tom Brady trained with his team. Michael Jordan trained with his team. Michael Phelps trained with a team. The way you're going to endure life's problems and the way you're going to pursue joy is if you're doing it with other people. Because other people can encourage you. Other people can say, hey, keep going. Speed up. You're veering off the wrong path. You're on the wrong track. You're playing the wrong game. You're in the wrong sport. The people around you can show you, help you, train you to do this well. You can endure. You will endure. 
and find joy when you're training with other people. I love the words of Paul in Philippians. He's talking about in this passage, chapter two, right? He's actually talking about joy in the, in, in the book, but he says the way you and I can find joy, the way you and I can, can experience joy, we can find it in unity. He says in Philippians chapter two, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You want to endure. Endure with other people. God-fearing, Bible-loving, Bible-reading people. People who care about you. People who are willing to tell you the truth. People who are willing to call out your sin. So many of us don't want to be called out on our sin. We just want to live our comfort. So we'll hang out with the wrong people. And it doesn't mean that you don't hang out with the world. You hang out with people in the world. But you don't let them influence you. You need people around you. To show you. To help you. To encourage you. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. Third thing. Third way you and I are going to endure life the Christian walk and find joy is if we're focused on Jesus. Look at verse two. Looking to Jesus, meaning he's our example. He's our focus. The founder, the author, the originator of our faith and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You gotta be focused. I don't know a great athlete who's not focused. If you're not focused on Jesus, you're going to fall, find yourself in sin, living a life in sin. If you're focused on anything else but Jesus, you're not going to find joy. You're not going to find true comfort. You're not going to find peace. You're not going to find hope. But if you're focused on Jesus, he's the end. He's the finish line. He's the trophy, right? The Olympic athletes that win are, 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 are toting their, their medal. That's the prize. But our prize is the fullness of our faith, seeing Jesus. Focus on him. Do what he did. Act the way he did. Think like he did. Believe him. Trust him. Keep your eyes on him. And you're going to find that you can endure. You can be steady. You can be consistent in your faith if you're focused on Jesus, if you're focused on anybody else. It's going to be hard. It's going to be problematic. Notice what the author says about Jesus. Beyond the fact that he's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? What, what was his motivation? What was his drive? What allowed him, right, 
to be mocked, brutally killed, to be rejected and despised by the world. In fact, what was his motivation to this very day to allow to be mocked? Because they still mock Jesus. They still blaspheme against his name. He is still hated in this world. What was his motivation to think that the legacy that he would leave, not for the church, but for the rest of the world, that his name would be despised and mocked? What was his motivation? What was his joy? You want to know what his joy was? It was you. You were his joy. So while he's looking down the corridor of his life, of his race, to be tortured, killed, and despised by the world, his joy was what? Knowing that you will be saved. You are his joy. So many people here walk into this church who don't have joy. Know this, you are his joy. Saving you, redeeming you, rescuing you out of your problem was his joy. He delights in the fact in knowing that his blood is shed and his name is mocked so that you can have life. The joy set before him was you. Think about that. The joy set before him was us, his church. So I think, I think of all the people who've gone before us, I think of the Carol Beasley, Dave Flick, Jeff Martell. Think about your loved ones who know Jesus, believe in Jesus, put their trust in Jesus, and who now see him face to face. That was his joy. That is true love. That God would would pour out his wrath, pour out his anger on his son. And his, that was what Hebrews says was set before him. And he was willing to do it. Knowing what? that the prize that he would win was not only being back with the Father, but was knowing the effectiveness of his work would be accomplished in saving you. The way you and I are going to endure this life is if we pursue joy. And the way we're going to pursue joy is knowing and trusting that if Jesus can do it and he empowers us to do it, we're gonna make it. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna slip up. For some of us, we're gonna slow down. For some of us, we'll speed up. But we're gonna make it. Let's pray. Maybe it's been a long time since you experienced joy. Your faithful response to faith 
What, what in your life has impeded, kept you from experience true joy that we see in this passage? A joy that would allow you to endure life's problems. Why don't you confess to the Lord how you haven't experienced joy, but you want to experience today. And then thank him that you are his joy. That he was able to endure. The greatest tragedy of all of history. So that you can find joy in him. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you, in your grace and mercy, called us out of darkness into this marvelous light of experiencing your sin, Jesus, and that we can run this race here on earth. God, we want to run well. And we can't do this if it's not for you. So would you help us? Give us the strength, give us the boldness to run well, to live this faith out well, not perfectly well, those of us who are older, God, that we would have the endurance to keep going. For those of us who are younger, that we would endure and help others keep going. And God, that we would keep focus on you and you alone. Help us, O oh Lord. We need you and we need you now. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say, this has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.